I love my home. I do. I love it so much. But I also love vacationing. I work a lot. And sometimes it, it bothers me to think how often I'm not actually there to enjoy it. I mean, whether I'm going on a fun vacation with Justin or traveling to New York for work, there's big chunks of time that I don't get to relish that sofa I pined so hard to buy or bake cookies that I can make with my stand-up mixer that I got for Christmas. And I realize there is a way that I might feel better. If I became an Airbnb host, I could make use of the space when I'm away and make some extra cash. I mean, my next vacation could essentially pay for itself. Like my extra Airbnb cash could go into an account for that trip to Paris I've been pondering. And then basically the trip is free. Do you see what I'm saying? I mean, I know that's not technically how math works, but okay. Also, if we're saving money hosting, this means I could do some shopping, right? And the weather is also very nice in Paris at this time of the month. And I just feel like it might be, okay, you know what? I'm going to talk to Justin about this. Um, thank you for letting me share this epiphany with you. I appreciate it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Dinners on Me listeners. This week, it's all things Cocaine Bear, uh, the film. The film. Uh, who knew that this quirky movie, this gory little comedy, would bring me so much joy? It allowed me to finally be directed by my longtime friend, Elizabeth Banks, but it also gave me the opportunity to work with one of my favorite actresses of all time, Margot Martindale. First up, we have Liz, as her friends call her, who meets me at one of our favorite spots in the valley, Petit Trois. We discuss her early career, learning from the likes of Steven Spielberg, not too shabby, and what it was like to sit in the director's chair for the first time in Pitch Perfect 2. And of course, we talk about working together on Cocaine Bear and how my role in the movie came to be. When I went to high school, I was like, what am I gonna do after school? I was a latchkey kid and my parents were like, you're not coming home, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like, you gotta do something. And so I, I, I just started doing theater. And then I always did it, but I didn't know any artists. I, I absolutely went to college. It was class migration for me. You know what I mean? It was like, how do I get out of this? And not that it was for my, I never want my parents to feel like it wasn't great. Mom and dad did a great job. We, yeah, they yeah. made the best of everything. I have a lovely family, as Jesse knows. Yes. I'm close with my parents and my siblings. And I love my town where I grew up. I'm literally going there tomorrow. So I, not, no bad thing, but like, I just saw my parents really struggle with bill. You know, we never had a new car. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It was like, everything was used. I never had a babysitter that wasn't related to me. I always had hand-me-down bikes from all the cousins. And, right. you know, I didn't go to camp. It was like, my dad would look around and be like, this is camp. It's the Berkshires. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. You know, it's not like, yeah. I, like, I learned to ski in a subsidized skiing program. It was like, okay, I, it was idyllic. But I definitely felt like I didn't want to have the, the, that sense of struggle, which was, mm. I felt in my family, you know, mm -hmm. and that my parents were having to make the best of it. I just didn't want that for myself. So I didn't know any artists who, who made any money. Right. Like, and then even in college, I didn't know actors who weren't really just waiters, you know, that sure. were like, I'm, you know, auditioning. Yeah, trying yeah, to, yeah. And like, they always, you know, things are cooking, you know. I was like, okay, that's not for me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was a waitress for 10 years. Yeah. And at 24, 25, you're just like, okay, I'm well-educated. Like, I'm either, this is either a real profession that I can mm -hmm. make money doing and support myself doing, 
or it's not. And, mm. and I gave myself kind of a time limit, but I made money right away. And that's really and that was what mostly happened. Th- from commercial modeling work, and yeah. commercial modeling, work. Yeah, commercials. Yeah, 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 yeah. It seems like, you know, your parents definitely instilled a work ethic. And yeah. that's something I definitely see, like even knowing you now and, and having, you know, worked with you as a director, like I, I know how hard you work. That, that sort of takes me back to like how when I first met you, I was like, you're making these connections with people because you know that that's important. And you know, I see that you've carried that through. And I, it's just kind of remarkable to me that even at such an early age on your second job, which I was able to witness, that you had that sort of instilled in you. I just find it really impressive. Oh, that's, I, Jesse, you, you always, you kill me. This is why we're friends because you make me feel so lovely. <laughs> no, you know, I love learning. Yeah. I like, I, there's a reason I went to, you know. The fennel salad, market apple, celery, and parmesan. Perfect. And yes. Got the country pate with pistachio. Amazing. Onion jam and Dijon on the side. Oh, yeah. That's, good. That's the good stuff right here. So I think it's really, I, I will say it's a love of learning, right? Yeah. Also, to be honest, when you go to sets when you're a young actor, you don't have a nice trailer. You're in a, no. what we call a triple banger yeah. at the at best. At best. And, you know, you're, you're, you're pooping with everybody else in like the honey wagon, as we yeah. call it. So it's not glamorous. No. And it felt to me like, why would I stay in that room by myself if there's moments of downtime on set? Like, then I want to go, I'm curious. I want to go see what's happening at Video Village. I want to go see what the director's doing. I want to go see what the, what shots are setting up. I love watching other actors work on movies that, you know, in scenes that I'm not even in. I just love it. It's how I really, how I met Ray Liotta. Mm. I didn't have any scenes of Ray Liotta in the movie that we made together, the details. I was on set when he was working and I'm riveted by him and just loved watching him. So think, you know, I think that that was just something I found to be really, I mean, I, and I did it, you know, naively. I did it like, I'm catching me if you can. I just sat in Video Village with like Steven Spielberg and Leonardo DiCaprio. Like, I belong here. (laughs) Such balls. Such balls. So truly. (laughs) Like, I would just like to sit here yeah. and watch you work and see how you're going to set this shot up and watch, you know. Which could also be it. incredibly annoying, I'm sure, for if, it, if, could, if the it wrong person be. does that. But yeah. I feel like also you, there's something about just your spirit <laughs> that, like, you know that your intentions are good. Like, you're not going to be a nuisance to yeah. have around. I, yeah. I hope I knew to be quiet most yeah. of the time back then. And I really was observing for the most mm-hmm. part, you know. But I remember asking Steven Spielberg what he was interested in doing and him telling me that he was interested in doing a musical. And, you know, ultimately, years later, he did West West Side Side Story. Story. Yeah, It was just wild to me. He had that ambition even back then and knew it was something that he wanted to tackle. And I just, I loved also watching. He's so relaxed on his set because he had the absolute best people heading every department, doing every part of it, you know, and he could just really curate the Mm -hmm. moments. It was and you could tell he had prepped everything. He knew he was, ed- and he edits the movie in his mind. Mm-hmm. It was, I, I found working with him so and these interesting. were things that you could, while you were at that young age, and even Pick though you, up, yeah. you picked up on those things. Yeah. When you did move to LA, and we, we were staying in touch, obviously, I remember, obviously, I saw you and Catch Me If You Can. I, you know, watched Wet Hot American Summer and lost my mind for it, <laughs> bought it on, you know, VHS the minute it was available. The VHS, that's right. <laughs> and then kind of the next like really big thing that was like, oh wow, this this is Liz on another level is when you were the female lead in Seabiscuit. And tell me if I'm remembering this wrong, 
Did you like petition for the part? Did you? I feel like I remember you telling me that you like wore a wig. <laughs> um, I, I might be making this part up, but I feel like you you fought for it in a way that I think required a little bit more than like I like to be in the room with the people and, and have an opportunity. It was a little I, more aggressive I, than that. Well, I wrote a letter. So I grew up going to the racetrack in Saratoga with my dad, mm-hmm. who loves to play the ponies. Which, by the way, I've been to the races with you before. Yes, he, that's right, Jesse You has. took me one time. I don't remember where we were. <laughs> like a it must have been cup, like in Pasadena probably. or something. We went to Santa Anita, that's yeah. I'm just now remembering yep. that. Just a quick quick sidebar. <laughs> Liz, is. this might come up later in this conversation, but incredibly, incredibly competitive. <laughs> like to the point where like, it's terrifying. And I just remember you. I think you mean charming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is charming <laughs> until it's not. <laughs> until you're screaming at me at game night. Um... But I do remember you at the races, like when your horses weren't winning and just the-, the Yeah. Oh, so depressing. It was so intense. I was like, wow, this is, I'm, my friend has turned into a monster. <laughs> okay, so circling okay. back. Anyway, so I, I knew a lot about horse racing and I just knew that not everybody that was auditioning in my peer group maybe had that information. Right. And I just thought it was relevant and then I should write a note to Gary Ross, the director, mm-hmm. that I really felt like I understood, you know, this world and I felt connected to this world in a way that really hopefully was meaningful, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, yes, I did. I went out of my way to write a note to Gary Ross, the director, about being in Seabiscuit and then and somehow you, got and somehow it. somehow that. Yeah. And I, I, I didn't, I don't think I wore a wig, but I definitely either showed him pictures of me with dark hair mm-hmm. or like, like, you know, as a brunette. For sure, because I knew he was casting mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it was another level for you. Yeah, I mean, the movie, I think, was nominated for seven Oscars or something. Yeah, <laughs> like, it yeah. was the most... And the whole time we were making it, you just knew that it was, like, a Best Picture nominee. It just felt that you way. Know? Oh, yeah. yeah. Every aspect of it was, like, off the charts. You know, the costuming and the production design. And, you know, they came up with the... The grips had, like, a whole new rig to just shoot, like, the horse racing mm-hmm. so that Tobey Maguire could ride the horse. It was crazy what they were doing um, in terms of the camera work and stuff. Mm-hmm. They, it was a lot of innovation on that set, too. It was yeah. really cool. Yeah. Beautiful film. Beautiful too. film. I, I'm trying to get my kids to see it. I realize I haven't seen it yet. Do they That's like one of them. Do they like horse races? They've never been. Really? Well, they're too little. So I know that your next kind of big directing opportunity was Pitch Perfect 2. Yes. Our friend, mutual friend Jason Moore directed the first one. I had directed like a couple little other things and I had done a lot of the behind the scenes um, vignettes for Pitch Perfect, the first movie. And it was definitely an ambition of mine. I was putting it out there. I was looking for scripts. Actually, Abraham Higginbotham, our other mutual mm-hmm. friend, had written a script. He was a writer script. on Modern Family. Yeah. He was a writer on Modern Family. He wrote a script that I loved, that I was interested in working on. And um, we kind of had a little conversation about, yes, it was my ambition, and I was looking at things, et cetera, et cetera. And so, yeah, I remember the studio called and said, we've decided that a, a young female director should take over Pitch Perfect. And I was like, I'm so glad to hear you say I'm young. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we, I mean, talk to me about like the pressure of that though, because Pitch Perfect, the, the original one, yeah. was very successful. Yeah. Was there intense pressure around directing something that had been established as a hit? I mean, was there fear of screwing it up? Was there fear of... No. no I love that. <laughs> I love it. Well, the team mm. was all put together. And, you know, I was on set every day for the first one. And... So, no, I knew I could do it. I mean, ever since I'd been sitting next to Steven Spielberg, you know, in Video Village and Mm -hmm. just sort of taking in all of this 
information that I just was ready to employ, you know? And I had done, I did a, a little funnier die short with Adam Scott at one point, And I'd done a couple other little things here and there. And, and I just was ready. Like I was ready. Now, that being said, is it the smartest thing to make your first film a giant musical <laughs> with a huge ensemble cast. I mean, ginormous cast. Yeah. Um, at one point, the Teamsters of Louisiana told us that we had the biggest base camp they'd ever set up. Are you serious? Yeah. There were overhead photos of it on the news. That's how oh big God. the base camp was. So we had every trailer available in Louisiana at the time. Wow. So we, it was an absolutely ginormous endeavor. And I that I didn't really understand. I just knew I had a great support group around me. I had Max with me, you know, and I just felt like, yeah, I knew I could make it funny. I mean, I knew yeah. that my tone, I could put my stamp mm -hmm. in the movie and I didn't really worry about it. And also, to be honest, it's really nice doing a, a sequel first because you know that people love it. They're on board They're for the on, concept. They were into you don't have it. to sell it to them. Yeah. yeah, like I, it was not fear. It was definitely fear of like, not fear of like doing a bad job on the movie. It was definitely fear of like fucking up for the audience that loved pitch. Okay. You know, like, could we do it again? And could we like, what's the next level? What was sure. the level up? And that was hard to figure out. Like, yeah. is there a level up for this? And um, I think we found it, but. Absolutely. I mean, it's, listen, it was wildly successful. Yeah. And uh, it would probably it, be the most successful thing I ever make. Well, yeah, know. my first thing will be, I, I don't think I'll ever top it. So, I mean, Pitch Perfect and uh, Charlie's Angels were both scripts that you sort of said, I want to do this. What was it like chasing after something that was Charlie's I developed from zero. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, you I, brought it in. So what was it like chasing after someone else's script? Cocaine Bear was something you read early yeah. days of the pandemic mm -hmm. and you went after it. You know, just making that call and being like, is this real? Do you guys want to make this? Because I, I kind of love it and I, I think it could be great. Mm -hmm. And you know, once you make that call to people who know you and trust you and believe you, like, let's talk about it for real in a real way, you know, get down to the business side of it, which is how you have to start those conversations, meaning um, what's the budget, who's making the bear, you know what I mean? Like I, I knew in my mind's eye that Margot Martindale was going to play Ranger Liz, <laughs> but no one else knew that. <laughs> you know? um, like, you know, I had some ideas, Yeah. Uh, but you just sort of get started. You just start collaborating. Like, yeah. what about this? What about this? What about this person? And you just start having meetings and you just start getting people excited and you start building the momentum. And, you know, just that's how it works. I talked about this when I was doing press for, for Cocaine Bear. So it sort of came out. But I don't know if I ever told you in person, but I wasn't on Twitter at the time. And you put out a tweet saying, I'm doing this movie called Cocaine Bear. Who yeah. wants to be in it? Justin sometimes runs my Twitter and my Instagram, yes. and uh, I have TikTok. I've never seen it. It's not on my phone. I don't know. He'll like take, you and I are so similar. Yeah, he'll take like banked footage of me and put it on TikTok, and like I'll wake up in the morning. He's like, "Oh, you were viral last time on TikTok." I'm like, "Is that good?" But you had tweeted, you know, who wants to be a cocaine bear? And Justin responded mm -hmm. on my behalf, like me with like you know an emoji of like a little mm -hmm. person raising their hand, and. Yeah. Uh, 10 minutes later, you, you call me. You kind of launched right into this pitch for Cocaine Bear as if I had if knew, something, knew something about it. Yeah. And I was like faking it for a little while because I was like, I don't know what she said. I know that it's, it's a job offer, so I'm just going to like listen. <laughs> so I was just taking in information. And you pitched me this movie. You sent me the script. And within like three pages, I was like, oh, if 
I, if someone's asking me to do this film, I'm absolutely doing this film. I was so, first of all, honored to be a part of it. So, I mean, in kind of the way that I was talking about the play, like I wanted to desperately have a departure from Mitchell. Yes. I was like, this is truly a departure from Mitchell. <laughs> also, there was a, I don't know if I ever told you this, but the trailer had come out and there was all these like great write-ups about the trailer itself. People were so excited about it. And someone was like, Cocaine Bear has everything. Margot Martindale, a coked up bear, Jesse Tyler Ferguson in a fat suit. I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> like I wasn't wearing a fat suit. I had a harness for my stunts and it was a pandemic. So I think those two things combined gave me That's a few hilarious. pounds. Oh my God. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I'm just going to go with it. Yes, I wore a fat. I gained weight for the role. Um, You're a very committed actor. Yes, That's yes, true. yes. So when that, I saw that tweet, I, I literally turned to Max and I was like, do you think Jesse would actually do it? <laughs> and because I needed someone to play Peter. But I love that you just saw the opportunity of what it could be. Yeah. And that, the other thing was, I just knew you would come to play. You yes. know, that it was, it was, I was not going to worry about like, will he get in the harness? I was like, mm. he's going to relish it. Yes. You know? And that's what I was looking for in the cast. I just needed people who came, who, were gonna who understood the, the tone. Yes. The tone is all like, guys, there's a guy in a suit over here. <laughs> there's yeah. no bear. Well, you're going to pretend there's a guy climbing up. You're going to be on these. Like all this is, you know, yeah. I, I'm yelling lines to you. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. You know, I'm making bear sounds. Yes. Yes. And through a microphone. Yeah. Like, you know, it's silly as hell. And I need people who can play it as real as possible. Yeah. And um, so just knowing that you would come and be super game. And I, I'll be honest, I also, I knew you'd like the script. I mean, I'm like, he'll think the script's hilarious. Yeah, it was fantastic. Like we, I know I read, you well it, enough yeah. to know what, that our taste is not like yeah. wildly different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you like. And you and I have seen horror movies together. Yes, we have, yeah. So we, I knew you like these kinds of movies. Yeah. So um, anyway, that was I, such I a blessing. Just, you're just such a blessing. I, I was blessed that you asked me to do it. I had... I definitely had a full circle moment though, because I kind of went, you know, getting to work with you. Obviously we worked together on Modern Family and I got to play with you on that and you were sort of on my turf and it yep. was so like we wonderful. Forget, we forget about the pilot that we tested for. That was oh, you. What was that? It was a variety show for Fox. Yes. And you and I. That's tested to host right. it together. That's right, I totally <laughs> forgot about this until yeah. just, I always forget about this. I do too, I always Did that too. ever get made? I don't think it did. Oh, that was a missed opportunity. I know. You and I would have been Come amazing. <laughs> <laughs> we would have fucking killed it. We would have killed it. Yeah. Um, it was a variety show for Fox, oh and you and I were going to be the hosts right. of it. And it was just all like dumb improv and like, he is so and so the dead man. And like wearing, like, I think we were supposed to like, come out in wigs and stuff, yeah. you know? It was yeah. just going to be wild. It was going to be like the Carol Burnett show back right. in the day, you know? Right, I love that. I love it. Thank you for having me. Now for a quick break, but don't go away. When we come back, I'll talk to Margot Martindale about her hilarious childhood hobbies, her iconic role in BoJack Horseman, and of course, her amazing stunts on Cocaine Bear. Okay, be right back. One of the first things I do when I get to a new country is find out where the locals eat. These are usually the places that don't accept reservations, but they reward you with an incredible culinary experience. A great way to get this type of experience is trying Explore Worldwide, which is organized small group adventures led by local tour leaders, giving you a rich and authentic experience. 
I feel so lucky that I get to travel with my family and experience the food, art, and culture that different countries offer. I hope that my kids, as well as myself, will always be a student of the world. Local knowledge and respect for local culture can make all the difference when exploring a new country, and this is what Explore makes sure of with their local tour leaders. Whether it's a food and wine tour in the hilltop towns of Tuscany, or cooking dosa in India under the watchful eye of the tour leader's mother, Explore takes care of everything, putting the quality of their local tour leaders front and center so you'll truly understand the wow factor of where you are. If you're thinking about your next adventure, head to exploreworldwide.com to find out more. Sometimes when I've had a long day, honestly, the last thing I want to do is think about what to eat, even though I, I love to cook. I mean, sometimes, let's just face it, we don't want to spend the time figuring out the ingredients, the recipe, going to the grocery store, and then you got to face the cleanup. That's when Factor comes in. I just pop one of their delicious meals in the microwave for two minutes, and voila, I have a restaurant-quality meal. I personally like to plate it and make it look pretty, and I tell myself, wow, look at this beautiful pork shop you just threw together. I love that Factor is flexible with my lifestyle. I can cater it to my dietary needs. Like, let's say I'm leaning vegetarian one month or keto the next, and I can change how many meals I get week to week to fit my schedule. I seriously look forward to the Tuesday delivery date in that Factor box on my doorstep. So why not give it a try? Head to factormeals.com slash dinners50 and use code dinners50 to get 50% off. That's code dinners50 at factormeals.com slash dinners50 to get 50% off. I love what I do. I also love the idea of not doing it one day. But it's getting harder to know the best way to move forward into the future towards retirement. We hear about inflation, rate hikes, the changing market, got to get the kids through college, build an emergency fund, and then there's retirement. Here's where Fidelity comes in. Fidelity can help you find clarity in saving for the future, even as your path and priorities evolve. How? Well, they'll help you create a free personalized plan that adapts as your priorities change. They'll also show you what's called timely insights, small tips on ways to save and invest to help meet your goals. And you can monitor your plan so you stay on target. The future's coming and so's retirement. Fidelity can help you take it on your way. Learn more at fidelity.com future. Expenses charged by your investments and other costs and fees associated with trading or transacting in your account apply. Fidelity Brokerage Services member NYSE SIPC. This episode of Dinners on Me is brought to you by BetterHelp. I have recently embraced therapy. I don't know why I didn't embrace it earlier. I think there was always maybe a little bit of a stigma for me. Like if I had to go to therapy, it meant there was something really wrong with me. But once I let that all go and I just realized it was something that was available to me to make me feel better about myself, better about my day, better about where I am in my life, just clear my head, just give me someone else to talk to. I don't know, my relationship with it completely changed, and now I can't imagine my life without therapy. If you're thinking of starting therapy, you can give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash dinners today to get 10% off your first month. 
That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash dinners. Next, we have Margot Martindale. I was in New York City, so I asked Margot to meet me at Morea, just off Columbus Circle near Central Park. It's a swanky white tablecloth type of joint known for its Italian seafood fare, and she's no stranger there. They knew to keep her wine glass satisfied. I was so tickled that Margot agreed to meet me. She's always put me in such a good mood. She's just so authentically herself, and I'm so impressed by her career. It's one that I greatly admire. She's continually taking on challenging roles. I mean, the woman did her own stunts in Cocaine Bear. Okay, let's get to the conversation. Cheers. Cheers, honey. Great to see you. So good to see you. I was thinking, I haven't seen you since the premiere of Cocaine Bear. Really? Were you in that? I was in that. (laughs) That's actually where I want to start. But I remember being so excited that I was going to be working with you and Carrie. Like, you were my only scene partners. Because I was just such a massive fan of the Americans. I mean, I it's on my Instagram, but I took a photo of of the first day we all worked together. I was like, I, I have to document this moment. Didn't even know you two. And... I was so, so honored to get to do that with you. I don't think I've ever had that much fun. Me either. I told Justin, he was like, how's it going? I was like, I only want to shoot cocaine bear for the rest of my life. (laughs) (laughs) No kidding. And somebody called me the other day and said, I don't know if this embarrasses you or not, but we watched cocaine bear and we said, embarrasses me. I think it's one of the greatest things I've ever done. (laughs) I know. I know. Agreed. I did have some family members who like watched and didn't get it. It was just not their cup of tea. I was like, it's not for everyone, for sure. It's not for everyone. Talk to me a little bit about what (laughs) went through your head, because I've told my version of the story, but like what went through your head when when Liz called and asked if you do this? Well, Liz called and asked me if if we could have dinner. Okay. You had met during Miss America. Uh, Mrs. America. Mrs. America, yeah. yeah. I said, oh, sure, I'd love to. And she said, well, I'll come to Connecticut and have dinner with you. So she came. She told me all about this movie, Mm -hmm. never saying she wanted me to be in it. Okay. And I thought, oh, well, that just sounds great. Great. She was buttering you up? I don't know what she was doing, but she wasn't saying, oh, come and do it. Yeah. And then um, my agent called me. I said, I had dinner with uh, Elizabeth Banks last night. And he said... Did she mention cocaine bear? And I said, well, she talked all about it. (laughs) I said, but she didn't mention anything about me in cocaine bear. And he said, that's so strange. Anyway. So he had already, he already knew He already knew that she was interested, but that they didn't know. Are you sure she didn't say something to you? I swear. (laughs) Oh, uh, maybe she said something. I don't think there's enough money or something like that. Right. Right. Yeah. She did lead with that. She's like, it's low budget. So um, what? We're spending all the money on the bear. Yeah. Good. Yeah. yeah. When you actually were, though, there in Ireland, putting on that outfit, going through the stunts. We both did a lot of our own stunts. I mean, we had stunt doubles. I have such great behind the scenes of you and I doing a stunt where we are both ratcheted off. You know, the camera sort of zooms in on both of us. And then my character's ratcheted off. And then yours goes off next. <laughs> Mine and goes off on, on Mr. Rogers Railroad. Right. Like a trolley car like, on, on some Mr. sort of children's <laughs> show. <laughs> Kinda. And, 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 your, I, and your job was to sell that you were being ratcheted and off. I, and I did it backwards. <laughs> and then when I looked up, everybody in the crew and cast were on the ground laughing. It, it, it was... 
tears of joy. That was probably like one of the best memories for that entire shoot, watching Margot do this stunt. And we were put in such incredibly weird scenarios. I mean, crawling around with bushes and the bear had mauled you and had taken a, a chunk out of your ass. And like, and you were just so game. And I was like, well, if Margot's game, I'm game too. I was I game, think, but I said to Elizabeth at one point, I looked up at her and I said, you didn't tell me I would be crawling around on the ground like this. And she said, you read the script. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not me. And you did have a stunt double, but you know, you did a lot of your own stuff. Hello. Hello. Well, Hi. I was thinking maybe we should look at the menu. Let's look at the menu. Would you have some crudo if I got some? Sure. The yellowfin tuna? Yes. That's when I was eyeing. Yeah. Let's do that. And then for my main, I think I'm going to do the halibut. I think I'll do the scampi. Scampi, perfect. Scampi, scampi. Gotcha. Yeah, that was the most wonderful time. Wonderful time. I am so happy for Liz. She took a big swing, so I'm, I'm so proud of her. Me too, and tonally. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was perfect. It was perfect. <laughs> it was perfect. Uh, Margo was making us laugh because during the entire shoot, she would say, I'm just concerned about the tone. <laughs> Are we all on the same page with the tone? Because <laughs> there were some cast members who were from Ireland. A lot of people, obviously, Americans had to come in. And she just wanted to make sure everyone was on the same page. I'm worried about the tone. <laughs> and then we find, like, third day three, she's like, I think we got a handle on the tone. <laughs> Elizabeth kept saying, don't worry. Don't worry about the tone. Don't worry about the tone. I <laughs> <laughs> got it. But it was just, it was such a magical time. And also, we got to live in Ireland for a period of time. Margot lived in this tiny little house in Dalky that was literally 10 paces across the way from the Finnegan's pub. pub. Finnegan's Pub, the greatest. Good morning, Margot. <laughs> Good morning. You were like Norm at Cheers. Like everyone cheered when you walked in. And I arrived a few days after you. And I just remember thinking, wow, she's already established herself as a townsperson here at Dalkey. Everyone knows who she is. In Dalkey, Ireland. Dalkey, Ireland. Oh, Such my. a great time. Just the nicest people in the world. Yeah, it really was. It was a great time, and I'm so glad that we got that as our introduction to one another. And it, I just and all I you. remember is uh, maybe the first day or something, you doing one routine after another that I thought I was going to die. <laughs> What was I doing? Singing and dancing. Oh my God. I was probably just like, <laughs> it was just <laughs> trying it, it to win was, you over. It was exquisitely fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> and you did. I thought, I, I, I didn't know he could do all of that. Oh my God. Just my trick. I mean, you're such a, a southerner to, to me, but yet you still have paid your dues as a New Yorker. You've lived here longer many than, decades. Way longer than Texas. Exactly. But you still have this like southern charm about you that I just. I'm so drawn to and I love. Um, thank you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Talk to me a little bit about finding theater in Texas and, and how you discovered like this passion for acting. There. Well, I... Jacksonville, Texas, right? Jacksonville, Texas. Very good. You know, I always played in my backyard. I made to believe in my backyard. I had a great little playhouse. Had this little group of kids that were called the Alley Gang. That's the name of my company, <laughs> Alley Gang. And it was, you know... Sometimes I had an orphanage, and sometimes I was a beauty operator, and I would cut all the kids <laughs> in the neighborhood's hair. Amazing. And send them home to their parents and just screaming like, what? You would actually it? cut their hair? Oh, yeah, cut their hair or do anything I wanted to them. Okay, wait, back up. You, <laughs> I thought this was all make-believe. No, you actually played beauty parlor 
and you would cut their hair. Oh, yeah. I, I discovered a new hairdo on Deborah K. White. <laughs> then I could pull her hair up in a ponytail like this and then cut the back of it. And then sh- she could have a bubble. Okay. Or she would take that part down and she could have long hair. You gave her a versatile look. I it's was such so ahead gift. of my it's time. It's such a gift. <laughs> but the parents were like, please stop cutting our children's hair. Look at that. How old were you when you were doing this? Oh, in you know, elementary school, I guess. No way. Yeah, elementary school. I put on Oklahoma. Now, I decided I wanted to play Curly, Ado Annie, Judd, and Will. Okay, so I let all, girl, all the-, the girl, Devin Dublin, next door, I let her play. Uh, Ado Annie? L- or Lori? Lori. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Who yeah, cared yeah. about yeah. that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so talk me through like what a production of Oklahoma in your backyard was. I had one of those little redwood picnic tables that were for children. Yes. And it was like a bleachers, you know, so I could stack them up like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'd, I'd make them all stand on that <laughs> and sing Oklahoma. <laughs> and at one time it completely crashed. No. Yeah. And the only person that really did anything was me. Right. Well, you, you took all the roles. I took all the roles. I let Devin stand out there and do a few, a few lines. <laughs> and I love it so much. <laughs> it's so great. Okay, here's a horrible story. Please. Can I tell you this? Yes. Because I could get in trouble for it, but I could tell you. I could tell you. When the children in my orphanage didn't do what I wanted to. <laughs> oh, wait, I forgot you had an orphanage. As I well. had an orphanage, too. <laughs> when they didn't do what I wanted them to, I, we had a dog pen and kennels in my backyard. Sounds like it was fancy, <laughs> but it wasn't. And I would put them in the dog pen, and sometimes I'd tie them up to the fence. Oh no, no, my God! Oh, when they didn't, they, when they until didn't do they what you... until they said that they they could come back to class. Oh my God! In the orphanage, so good. what were the things that they were f- refusing to do? Do you remember? No. Did your parents like think, okay, what are we going to do with this child? Like, was it obvious? They that... never even looked or cared. Hmm. What did your parents do? My father was a lumberman. My mother was a homemaker. And when you decided to go to, you know, pursue the arts, well, you you started acting in high school. In high school, okay. Remember, I wore a body brace all during my teens. Yes, you had scoliosis. Yes. They think I had polio when I was three or two or something like that, but... Who knows? We, we, I can't verify it. Right, right, right. So I w- wore it 24 hours a day, mm-hmm. 7th, 8th, and ninth grade. I got to take it off to go to school, and I put it on immediately when I got home mm. from school. When I was in high school, the choir teacher came to me. He said, you have a really loud voice. Why don't you come audition for the musical? So I did. What was the musical? Do you remember? Bye Bye Birdie. Oh, who'd you play? Rosie Alvarez. You know, and then I went and I taught drama Where in did you prison. See? For criminally insane men. He might have told me a little bit about I this. I was 16 and 17. When you were 16 and 17, you taught drama at a prison. from In a maximum security unit for criminally insane men. Okay, okay. I need to hear, I need to really break this down for me. All the kids would go to Rusk down the road, the county seat. Rusk is? Rusk, Texas. Okay. Uh, and because it was where you could get a summer job. Great, okay. And they took us into a, a room, and the guy stood up and said, good, good afternoon, boys and girls. Now, I have a real surprise for you this summer. We're going to take volunteers to go behind the fence. Meaning the prison. In prison. And what did I do? I couldn't get my hand up fast enough. I thought the entire room would have their hand up. 
and I was the only one. Did you know that it was to teach drama? Or was oh, it? Oh, no, no. That's just something okay. I came okay. up with. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Okay. Wow. You were the only one. I was the only one. And so once you volunteered to do that, were they like, what do you want to do? And you, tra- Basically, you chose I, drama? Basically, I made puppets, paper mache puppets, and I taught a drama class and put on a play. I knew as much about theater as I as had learned. As a 16-year-old would from the productions. That's what I'd of learned yeah, from yeah. the two plays that I'd done. Yeah. Well, you had all that experience in your backyard, too. I did. I did. <laughs> I mean, you're a very confident person. Like, you walk into a room with authority. So I can only imagine that that's something you learned at the age of 16. Because I can't imagine a 16-year-old walking into that situation and not having... Remember, I had been wearing a cage True. For yeah. all that time. Yeah. It made me have to become more than what you saw. Hmm. Right. But you were, f- like, yeah, physically, like, in a piece of A piece of steel. And was this. And I wore prism you. glasses. And mm. I, uh, leather hips. And, you know, it was, it was quite, a, quite something. But wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. But I wasn't afraid. Yeah. That didn't come from... Anywhere except stupidity. Mm-hmm. You know how dumb you are as a kid. You yeah. don't expect anything to happen to you. Well, yeah, you're. F- I mean, many kids are fearless, and you sounded like you were fearless. I was fearless, but I, I am full of fear now. <laughs> I know. Do you, can you imagine like going into that same situation now? No. Thank you. That was so good. So delicious. I, I just want to finish by asking a little <laughs> bit because, like, when when we were doing Cocaine Bear and I was posting things about it, I was getting be like, oh my God, that's esteemed character actress Margot Martindale. And I wasn't aware of your alter ego and Bojack Horseman. So I started looking at it. Like what, talk to me about what that felt like for you to have, who was it? Um, my earring. <laughs> Got one in. But what was that phone call like? What has it been like for you to play that heightened version of yourself and to be known now? What is it that... Um, Esteemed character actress, Margot Martindale. Yes. <laughs> well, it, it wasn't the phone call. It was, uh, I, we're at rehearsal for the Millers at a table read. Right. Will said, oh, you're going to come do my cartoon. I said, no, I'm not. I was promoting August Osage County at uh-huh. the time and trying to learn to do a multicam comedy. Sure. Giving all my all into that as well. And I said, well, I don't have time for that. And he said, oh, oh, yeah, no, you're going to. I said, I said, I'm not going to do that. And he said, the part is esteemed character actress Margot Martindale. Who else is going to do it? <laughs> I said, I, I guess I am. So it was already established in the show? They had already kind of written it? They had written it. Okay. Well, that's, a, that's one surefire way to get an actress to say yes. <laughs> no you know? kidding. So I did. And, you know, I'm happy I did. And it's I, ridiculous. I've watched some of it. It is absolutely insane. It's very funny, Margot. People love it. Love it. Love it. And I have a whole world of fans that I wouldn't have had a whole world. I mean, there are fans no. that I would never, that are younger. Yeah. From yeah. that show. Yeah. It definitely brought in a different demographic. I mean, it, it's, it's really fun. And it's, it's, it's got to be such Will. a... That was Will. That was Will Arnett. Yeah. You need to go faster, Margo. Go faster. <laughs> I said, well, I'm not Will Arnett. <laughs> and, you know, in that sitcom world. Yeah. And Jimmy Burroughs there going. Oh, did would, Jimmy Burroughs direct it? All of it. Oh, he's, well, he's the master. Master. I'd go, well, I, uh, 
Ah, 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 ah. Go back, honey. Yeah. No us. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. Go back, honey. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, 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 uh. Go back, honey. That's so interesting that you had struggles with it because I feel like as a theater actress, it, I mean, maybe it had been a while since you've done theater, but like there's such an um, overlap between multi-camera shows and theater. You don't think so? The very first TV show I did was a multi-camera show and then I had just come off of doing Spelling Bee on Broadway and it just felt like this natural really? thing. Yeah, because you have but, the audience. But you're very facile. I have a thought process. Mm -hmm. I don't mean that you don't. I'm just right. saying that my thought process is slower. Okay. And so I, it's not like, uh, it's not ever on the tongue, tip of my tongue. Right. So it was just something I had to learn. Right, 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 right. You do have to really know your lines. Well, I and knew, I knew my you. fucking lines. <laughs> I just wasn't ready to say them quickly yet. Um, but the, and also the thing that really stressed me out on the multi-camera sitcom. So you know you're in front of the audience, and a joke doesn't land. The audience doesn't laugh. So the writers come in, they surround you, and they start feeding you new lines. Oh and they're like, "Repeat Lord. it back to us." And I'm like, "So you repeat it back to them?" And they're like, "Okay, let's go. Let's shoot it." And like all of a sudden, like this line that you're holding in your hands, like like water in your palm, like it's just the line that that's <laughs> dripping through your hands. Like, please let's shoot this fast before I completely lose what this line is. The pressure of that moment was so intense for me because a minute in James Burroughs, who was also the director of the class, every episode of the class that I did, you know, he's and he directed Cheers. He directed Taxi. He directed Will and Grace. He started Friends. Like he is an iconic sitcom director. If, if he heard you starting to fumble, he would stop you because he didn't want you to spoil the joke for the audience. And that's why he would stop you. And it was really stressful. <laughs> was that why? Yeah, that's why he would stop you because he didn't want he didn't want the audience to hear he wanted the audience to hear the perfect version of that line to make sure that it worked for the writers. Wow! Did he never explain that to you? No. Yeah. Eh, no. Bah, bah. <laughs> did you not have a good time doing the multi camera? I loved it. You did love it. I loved, I loved learning it. Mm -hmm. I would have been happy doing it for. Three years, I would not have been happy doing it any longer than that. Yeah, I've never done a multi-camera longer than 19 episodes. But, I mean, I, my, my friend, like Sean Hayes, a mutual friend of ours, you know, he loved doing Will and Grace. That was, and he did it for quite some time. Um, I, I mean, there's nothing like that marrying of, like, live theater and TV. I thought it was just so much fun. Whether oh, or not it's gee. a format that still is, um, oh, oh, my no. goodness. So What are we dealing with here? We have the Toscan Donuts, the Bomboloni with a uh, raspberry calamar sauce and uh, chocolate sauce. And here we have our version of the tiramisu. Oh boy, that's tiramisu. Oh wow, how pretty. Yes. Okay, oh that's nice. That is really good. It's like a, a tiramisu um, oh, wow. cloud. Thank you for doing this. I just adore I love you. you. I love you. I love, I love you, you so much. I know that I can be boring. Uh, Are you I'm kidding me? We the, Nothing you talked about was boring. <laughs> Let me tell you, your life is fascinating and full and vivid, and I love hearing about all of it. I love you, honey. I love you, too. Yay! Yay! Dinner's on Me is a production of Neon Hum Media, Sony Music Entertainment, and A Kid Named Beckett Productions. It's hosted by yours truly. It's executive produced by me and Jonathan Hirsch. Our showrunner is Joanna Clay. 
Chloe Chobel is our associate producer. Sam Baer engineered this episode. Hansdale She composed our theme music. Our head of production is Sammy Allison. Special thanks to Alexis Martinez and Justin Makita. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson. Join me next week. Thank you.